Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. Investors, as we all know, financing deals can be very challenging. If you are looking for funding for your next real estate transaction, we want to introduce you to Fund That Flip. Fund That Flip is a lender that gets you fast, affordable capital on your one to four unit projects, including single family rental and new construction. Ladies, we have known the founder, Matt, and his company for many years, and they are the real deal. So Andressa, where can they learn more? Ladies, if you're looking for great terms and reliable service, check out fundaflip.com backslash investor. Shannon Stewart has a passion for tax strategy. She began her career with General Electric, where she worked directly with GE executives to mitigate taxation. Then in 1996, she founded Advanced Accounting, where she works as a concierge CFO to multiple businesses. Shannon is a single mom of two children, one of which who has autism, so she understands the challenges of balancing home and work. On today's episode, we chat with Shannon about how to make sure your accountant is working hard for you, deductions that most investors miss, tax-saving tips, and the power of her morning renaissance time. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Investor Show. We're so excited to have you all back with us on this fantastic journey we're on together. And, uh, Shannon, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you for having me. We're going to jump into her story in a moment. Um, before we do that, I, I thought I'd share a little tip. Not what? that I have, not, not that that's little, but you know, a tip <laughs> I should say. Um, so, you know, we're, we've been in the transition of moving and we moved. So that's exciting. Yay. In the snowstorm, uh, which was very exciting. We had a snowstorm last week here it on the East so Coast. It's so funny when you told me about this story about every time that you move, something happened and the same thing happens with me. No it's like, doubt. It right? Rains. It rains or it snows. It snows, right? So something yeah. big happens. Yeah. But, you know, with, with, with this move and everything, what's interesting is that we canceled our, our gym membership, you know, where I work out and take the kids. And I haven't really found, you know, that wasn't like the highest priority, right? On my list, I have to, there's a lot of things that you have to do when you're moving. Um, and it's, not, it's on my list, but it's, again, it's, you know, right there with finding, you know, new doctors and everything. But anyway, I said to myself, okay, I'm not, I'm not in a position yet to make that top priority. I'm, you know, unpacking boxes, trying to keep things going with our business. You know, you got a lot on your plate. So I said, okay, I'm just like thinking like, what can I still do to move my body? So I've, I've been trying to take the long way to do things. Like, you know, I went, I went to a meeting the other day and I could have taken the elevator. I'm like, no, I'm not taking the elevator today. I'm going to take the stairs. Like, so, you know, in the midst of like the craziness of our lives, I'm not saying do this instead of going to the gym by any means, but I'm saying, you know, yeah. when you can take the long route and you can incorporate some movement of your body, do it because it didn't cost me anything. I just took the steps, you know, and like, um, we have like 95 boxes, uh, to take to the curb. And I, you know, I'm like, well, my husband can help me, but I'm like, let me do it myself. So I did it early this morning and I did it kind of quickly. I'm like, I'll do it quickly. Maybe that'll kind of increase my heart rate. Right. It's like 15 minutes. I mean, you Look know, you know, I'm like, oh, that's something I can do yeah. in my life. So I guess the, the tip or just to, you know, keep, you know, if you want more of something, like I want to keep exercising or I want X, Y, and Z, find how to do it in your life. Like, so rather than, oh, well, I can't do it because I'm not at the gym. Well, that's true in a traditional sense, but, 
and it's not long term, but in the meantime, right? I'm like, what I'm just trying to be mindful of that. So I just thought I'd, I'd share that. <laughs> yeah. And I think that you can apply that in everything else in your business, real estate investments. Sometimes we all get overwhelmed with the whole picture, right? And we need to take baby steps. What does that mean? You can determine how small or how big that is, but it's just the feeling of moving forward towards yeah. that goal that that's the purpose. Yeah, no, that's good stuff. And I've heard that said about meditation. People are like, oh, I don't have an hour in the morning. Well, take five minutes when you're eating just to say a little intention or being mindful in your life. I mean, that, yeah. you can do that anywhere, anytime, right? You don't have to have an hour in the day to do that. Although that's ideal. Uh, we don't all have that luxury sometimes. So, well, without further ado, um, Shannon, thanks again so much for being on our show and, and you know, sharing your story and all the great insight I think we're going to get into here. I, you know, I'm confident we're going to get into here. Um, as we'd like to do with the ladies that we interview, we'd like to hear your story, obviously, and, and really, you know, how it all began for you. You know, you're running a very successful business and, and you, you, uh, you know, you've, you've done investing, you, you help investors, right? So you have a lot, of, you know, a lot of insight into this topic. Where did it begin for you and, and how did it begin for you? And what pulled you into, uh, you know, the business that you're in and, you know, uh, just the expertise you have around, uh, I know, accounting and all that good stuff that we're going to get into. Well, definitely. You know, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family and my grandfather owned real estate. And I remember being a little girl and him kind of saying offhanded that, you know, the markets will come and go, but if you own real estate, you have an appreciable asset. And if you hold it long enough, you're going to be just fine. And during my marriage, I, we owned rental properties. And unfortunately, through the divorce, I, those went to the wayside. Mm -hmm. And now I own properties now for appreciation purposes. And so not a rental type of scenario, but I'm holding raw land for appreciation purposes. And so, you know, I'm a serial entrepreneur, but my passion has always been in tax strategy and helping, uh, helping individuals, helping entrepreneurs you know, mitigate their taxes in a legal way. You know, there's so many legal caveats in the IRS code that we don't have to like walk in the gray. There's no need to do that. And um, so I love working with people. I love educating people. And my motto for my life is never withhold good when it's in your power. Mm. And so when mm. I meet people, I always want to leave them in a place of increase and expansion and leave them in a better place than what they were. And so that by applying tax strategy and business coaching to the entrepreneurs I work with, it just is an ideal fit. And I did corporate America. Like I worked for GE. I did the corporate America thing. And I had one time I had one of my managers tell me, you know, you don't, you know, you don't play well with others. <laughs> I was like, you know what? You're right. Because I'm a leader and leaders are always out front and, you know, and I'm never looking in the rear view mirror. Yeah. And what you said today about, you know, just finding time, if you wait in your life for it to be the best time or the appropriate right. time or the right time, those, that never happens. <laughs> while, we're, while we're raising families and building businesses, life happens, yep. you know, crud that like creeps in and you can't wait for the ideal moment because if you do that, you're, you know, life will pass you by in a blink of an eye. So yeah. um, I completely agree. Yeah. And, and one of the most common things that the ladies that are listening to us and the ladies that are part of our 
Facebook community and they ask constantly, especially the, the ones that are starting out, mm-hmm. when should I do an LLC? Should I do something else or, oh, crap, I own 10, 15 rentals all under my name. What are the tax benefits if I put everything on an LLC? What are the asset protections that I will gain doing that? So from your perspective, since you do have also a business perspective, some of the accountants that we come across is very like, <laughs> right? Nine to five-ish, I'll yeah. say. So from, from those ladies that are listening to us, and they're either starting or already, already have the, their rentals and their investments, is there, is there a, 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 a strategy that they should there, go yeah. for? So definitely. You know, I am unique. I tend to be an entrepreneur who happens to be a tax strategist. There you go. <laughs> that's how I make, you know, that's, that's really, I have an entrepreneurial mindset. So here's the, here's the thing. There, you should be planning from the onset. I mean, really, a well-laid plan is going to save you so much headache down the road. Um, one of the things that I work very closely with, I have a, an attorney that I work with out of Austin, and he does uh, serial LLCs and you know, for asset protection purposes. And so he and I work very closely with our real estate investors. And we actually, planning is so critical. I mean, not only from an asset protection standpoint, but from a, from a taxation standpoint, to make sure that you've classified yourself. If you really are a real estate investor, like are you a real estate investor is this a passive activity? Are you a real estate dealer? You really need to have clear guidelines and your books and records must dictate that. They must actually prove what type of, I mean, I mean, is this, am I in the business of being a real estate investor? Am I a real estate dealer? Or is this just a hobby that I'm dabbling in? But any, anywhere along the line, I mean, I think that making sure that you have a proper formation of an LLC is very important. But so here's the thing to remember about LLCs, and I'm not an attorney, um, sure. I, we work with them, but an LLC is on the state level. So that, that means nothing to the IRS. So that's your state level. You have to choose when you have this LLC, you then make an election. Is it a disregarded entity and I'm going, to, I'm going to file it on my personal tax return? Or am I going to be a partnership? Is it going to be a corporation? Does it make sense to be a corporation? So these are different tax strategies that you, you have to take a look at. And everyone's situation is going to be a little bit different. Right. But the LLC is going to give them that protection. And that, you know, that happens on the state level. And then they need to choose on the IRS level how they're going to be taxed. You know, Shannon, it's so interesting you're saying this. I, I think when we started, we were looking for an accountant. We knew we needed an accountant, and obviously they, they needed to have that expertise. We weren't even thinking you needed a tax strategist. I get that now, being in this business for some time, but I wish we knew that at that point. But, you know, then you have a couple accountants, and some of them weren't even familiar with real estate. <laughs> I'm like, that's oh, not God. a good thing. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah. wasn't a good thing. We ended up finding a great team member, and, and, and he's become like a tax strategist with, with our team. And I can't say how important that is. I mean, at what point does an investor, woman, woman listening to this, do they need to hold a certain amount of properties to feel like they need that 
quote unquote, they have to go beyond just a normal, you, you file my tax returns. Like somebody who's really looking out for that, that strategy perspective. Or does everyone need to really have that frame of mind? I'm curious to get your thoughts around that. I mean, I see the value of it, but you know, we have a portfolio we've, we've built and we're growing and we want to shelter and do this in the most legal way, but obviously pay the lowest amount of taxes we legally can, right? Everyone does. But for someone that has, you know, a smaller portfolio or has a large portfolio, it doesn't matter. When do they need a strategist part of their team? And what well, and I think, like? Yeah, I think one of the things I want to say is that 97% of accountants um, and tax professionals are not strategists. Mm. And it's not to diss them or, or to even say that they're not doing an adequate job. Keeping you in compliance is a full-time job. And oftentimes in my industry, they've been taught to be historians. So mm. they're not about creating history. They're about recording it. Mm. And so it's a mindset in my occupation that I really see happening. And I catch a lot of flack when I, I do a lot of podcasts and I get some really bad comments from other tax professionals. <laughs> you got to stop recording history and you have to make history with your clients because you're disservice, you're, you're, it's a disservice to them. I love uh, that. But it's a mindset. So let me say this. I would ask someone, so when someone comes to me and they may only be thinking about real estate investing or they may have one property or I have a gentleman who has 210 pieces in his portfolio, you know? Yeah. I always ask them, when was the last time your accountant saved you money? When was the last time they saved you money? When was the last time they came to you with a tax saving idea? Or are you researching on the internet and trying to figure out if the new section 199A applies to you as a real estate investor mm. and you're taking the information to them to see right. if you implement it? It's so a great it's point. About, it's about finding someone, as you just said, Liz, who is a, who's a team player. Like we have a team player. We have someone who has our best interest in mind and, and they're, and they're, the whole job is to make sure that we are, are properly structured and we're paying the least amount of taxes legally underneath the code. So I think, I mean, I don't know if that's kind of gives you an answer, but I, I really think that a tax strategist pays for themselves. Right. And for the ladies that are listening um, to this episode, sometimes, sometimes no, every year when it's tax time is just that stressful moment where we all need to gather and come to Jesus moment and say, can't avoid this. Got to do this. And I, I love what you're saying that your tax accounting and your accountant, CPA, dot, 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 that person needs to be your team player. If you're coming to them to give them, hey, this is what's going on. I don't even know that some people have meetings with, with them in a yearly base because what you're saying is that, okay, here's where I am now and here's what I want to go. What do we need to do in order to be there? And for, for some people out there, I think that they might be pissed off right now because they're like, I never got that call. So how can they differentiate? It's just the title that is a tax strategies or how do we know like, okay, do I need an accountant, a tax strategist, mm -hmm. uh, a CPA, uh, uh, certified financial planner. There are so many things out there that is just overwhelmed sometimes. So how do we know which one should we go for? Well, and so here, so here's the situation. What you're looking for is someone who has proactive services. 
So we meet with our clients. I, you know, some clients who have bigger portfolios where I speak to every month and we do like a concierge CFO, but at least quarterly or before you sell that property or you buy that property, you need to have a consultation and it has to be proactive. So if you're working with a tax professional and they are very proactive or you go to your tax professional and say, I want, I need this. This is what I need. This is what I desire. This is the need I have. Can you fill it? And if they say they can, then definitely enter an engagement with them. But if they, you're going to know right away. I mean, if you're, if your experience has been, they don't ever call me. You know, I, I get their annual letter with my organizer and I take my box of receipts in, right? Um, usually they're going to talk to you about, they're going to say they're a tax strategist. They're going to differentiate themselves as a tax strategist. And they're also, it's not going to be, you cannot get this strategy as like as an H&R Block or, you know, a Jackson Hewitt. I mean, you need to seek somebody who has the, the reputation and the experience of helping entrepreneurs from a strategy standpoint. Um, and, you know, and I think that, I think that some, that your tax professional may be able to be trained to do what you need them to do as well. I think that uh, there's a lot of tax professionals that are out there who have this wealth of knowledge. But as you said earlier, oftentimes they're not good communicators. I had someone call me the other day and she was with an accountant and she said, I've been with this accountant for 32 years. Wow. And she, she a said, lifetime. Yeah, a lifetime. Wow. Exactly. And he's, and she said he doubled his fees. Wow. Wow. And I said, well, here's the deal. I go, there was a new tax law change. If you're not aware that Correct. the biggest in the last 35 years, they totally rewrote the code for businesses. It's a whole new ball game. It's going to take us a hundred percent more time to do what we did before. And he, his fees are probably justified. So if you like your accountant and he's been good to you and he's, and he, you know, here's what happened. He didn't communicate with you. And so you felt like his, his fees were not warranted. He's an accountant. He's not a communicator. There's a difference. Yeah. Numbers, you know, you don't pay him necessary. Though it's good to have a personality, you know, I can have a very big personality, but if he is doing an adequate job, he's keeping you in compliance and he can give you all the service, scope of service that you really want, then that relationship is critical because right? he knows you. So I think it's really important about being very open with your tax professional of what you desire and, and seeing if they can actually offer that scope of service. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, and like you said, on a quarterly basis, you should be meeting with your 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 tax professional. To your point, and and you know, really asking them questions. But they need to be knowing where your business is headed. They're not going to like wake up every day, you know, calling you like, "Hey, what's your goals?" Like, you know, they they may, <laughs> you know, but really, let's be honest. If you're meeting on a quarterly basis, you're going to have those conversations then. And how do I? especially when you're buying and selling a lot of properties. I know we had to undo a, a portfolio of ours and we were really nervous because the, the, that, that business, you know, we really needed to sell the properties. It was a, you know, partnership that was ending and what have you. But we were nervous about, you know, what, what's our tax liabilities because, you know, we, we, we needed to clean that up and that, that kind of portfolio business. And our accountant was right there with us. He's like, well, did, 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 did. And I'm like, oh, thank God. Like, that's so helpful, right? Versus not knowing, you know, and then we have a, you know, people to knock it on our door. We, you know, you owe us taxes. So, um, no, that's great stuff. So I'm sure you get the question, Shannon, but like, 
as a real estate investor, what would you say are the, the top, you know, tax saving tips that oh. most investors overlook, you know, and, and we all want to save taxes. We all love saving taxes. But what would you say are like, you know, a few tips that you can give the ladies listening about how do they, you know, save on taxes? Oh, definitely. So here's, here's one thing that I find oftentimes, because oftentimes real estate investors have other entrepreneurial ventures as well. Yeah. And one of the things that, you know, and we work with other tax professionals, they'll bring us in just to do the strategy. And I'll say, where's your accountable plan? And the, the tax professional on the Zoom will kind of look at me and look at the, you know, like, uh-oh. Let me Google it. <laughs> exactly. Let me Google it. So having an accountable plan. So basically what that is, is how there are oftentimes expenses that run through your personal life that never make it to your profit, your profit and loss. Mm. Mm. Like your home office deduction. Yeah. He might be taking a safe harbor deduction, but are, you know, are you getting $700 or could you be getting $4,000 right off? You know, mm. what about your cell phone, your mileage, your, I mean, there are a lot of things that you may, as a real estate investor, be running through your personal life that are actually business expenses and having an accountable plan, which is just a fancy way of keeping track of this from an IRS standpoint so that we can legally claim it on the return. The average, when I'm working with individuals, when we're doing that, we are actually finding five to $9,000 of tax write-off. Wow. Um, another thing we are, it's hot and heavy right now. Um, cost segregation studies, like why are people not doing cost segregation studies? I have actually like 10 individuals in process right now of cost segregation studies. Um, so that's one of the things that I really talk to my, my clients about is that a cost segregation is just a, a common strategy. It's a tax planning tool that allows individuals who've constructed or purchased or expanded, remodeled any kind of real estate to increase cash flow and accelerate their depreciation while deferring federal and state income taxes. And this is the time of year, if we're gonna get that deduction for 2018, it needs to happen and it needs to happen right now. Mm. And, and it's amazing to me, especially you know, with individuals that are doing a lot of 1031 exchanges. I mean, we can just kind of kick that tax man down the, down the road. Um, so I think that's really important too, is just to understand the strategies that are out there and employ them and, and not be, and having, having confidence in your tax professional that they, that they know how to implement these strategies for your particular situation. Um, Go ahead. Shannon, I'm curious to go back to the to the personal expenses in the home office. I mean, that's a, you know, it's a it's a good one. We, you know, like you said, there's a percentage. But you said seven hundred to four thousand. So, you know, that's an interesting perspective. So, how would someone be able to max out some of so, these expenses? So I'm curious. There's something called the safe harbor, like okay. a safe harbor deduction, and you can take like five dollars per square foot, and you know. So if you have a very small space that, you know, your safe harbor, now the safe harbor, let me say that if you choose the safe harbor method, the IRS can't audit it. Okay? Right. I'm on the belief though, that if you, first of all, you always are honest because Correct. karma is bad and you should always be honest, never tell a lie. So the thing is when we're talking about like home office deductions, mileage, it's all about record keeping and having the proper documentation to substantiate that deduction. Mm. So you know, you're looking at 
and you can substantiate this. You've got your mortgage interest statement, you have your real estate taxes, you have your utility bills, you have your cell phone, you've got the security system, you've got the incidentals, like, mm -hmm. you know, like I had someone back into my awning delivering something, you know, I had an expense, wow. you have the housekeeper, all of these things go inside. And actually what we've done is we've actually built a program and our client just goes in there and fills it all out. Hmm. And it's, and it's shared with us. And so at the end of the year, they just go in there and they just, when they get their documents or um, it'll download their utility bills and things. And so when it comes wow. to me, I already know what they're, what it all is. And so when we have the conversation, it's just a quick conversation to say, is there anything that we missed? Um, like I had one gal who was going to a lot of real estate conferences and real estate investor conferences, and she was running it through her, her personal bank account. And then as we were doing our planning, I'm like, didn't you talk to, didn't you say you were going to a, like, I remember, like, didn't you say you were going to a conference? And she's like, yes. I'm like, I don't see it on your, your P and L. And she's like, oh, can I deduct that? So there's things mm. that happen that we don't think about that we need to translate. We need to be able to communicate that to the tax professional so that that can actually make it as a deduction onto the return. Right. I want to circle back on um, the tax the tax, uh, new tax laws that came, right? There's so many, I mean, I, I heard so many different things, different perspectives, I will say, about the same subject. And I was like, <laughs> I'm confused. Like, seriously, like, for the love of God, somebody tell me, what, what, are, what are the real impacts? You mentioned that it will take longer for accountants and, and tax strategists to do the work, but what are the impacts on the real estate investors and, and how can we, is that a benefit or we just got worse? Well, so, really yeah, so here's the thing. You're right. There are so many opinions and we really didn't know because they passed the law and we're waiting for the IRS to give us regs, right? We're trying yeah. to those regulations and now we're all speculating, but now the regulations are coming out. So, you know, there's a couple of things. A lot of the code was for really big real estate, commercial real estate companies. So let's talk about the impact of just on the average investor. First of all, we've got lower tax rates, which are a good thing. But one of the big things is that we have this new pass-through deduction. The new pass-through deductions, you, they may hear it as a 199A, is available for nearly all individual taxpayers with business activities, other than C-corporations. Okay. So if you're a sole proprietor, a partnership, an LLC, an S-corp, it's a deduction up to 20% of your income. And I believe that it appears that for real estate investors with passive rental income, which is reported on your Schedule E, um, and I'm going to say it appears because that's my interpretation and other, uh, you know, expert interpretation right. that, that passive real estate investing would be considered a business activity and would have be qualified underneath this 20% pass through deduction, which happens on your, it's going to be happening on your, your 1040. Um, so the deduction is up to 20% of your net business income. Now, it's limited to certain higher income levels. So I mean, that's where some more tax planning actually comes in. And the calculation can actually be a little bit complicated. Um, but from, from just like a high overview, you qualify for the entire deduction. It represents a 20% cut in taxes related to real estate investment income. Um, if you fall, um, if you are single, the cutoff is uh, 157500 if you're married, filing joint is 315,000 of total taxable income. 
in order to get that deduction, but that's huge. Now that's going to take some time for your tax professional to calculate because there's different methods of calculation. Right. That. Mm. Um, another thing is vehicle. Like I, I'm amazed when I see investors, real small real estate investors come to me and they're not deducting their vehicle. If you have a vehicle that you use to manage properties, can, it can be claimed as a deduction. Um, you can now have benefit from accelerated depreciation schedules, which means you get to expense it sooner, reduces your taxes sooner. Um, but, you know, there's always a but, right? There's always like, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, in order to benefit from the change, you must claim and document actual vehicle expenses rather than just standard mileage. Got so it. Would, would that be the receipt or... Yeah. Would the, would the um, bank statement or credit card statement will be sufficient? Right. So here's the thing. You need, a, you need your gas receipts. Right. Okay. Um, I always say save the receipts, have the, the backup of the credit card, you know, statement, the bank statement. Um, I always, you know, I want a mileage log, even though we usually don't use a mileage log. I want to be able to substantiate where you were going and what you were doing. You can use your, your calendar to do that. Sure. If you ever went into an audit standpoint, you're going to pull out that calendar and say, I was at property A, B, C, D this day. Um, but you have to take the, the actual expenses. So the cost of the vehicle, the gas, the new tires, the oil changes, so if you're if you're a real estate investor that just claims standard deduction, you're not going to get that get that added bonus. But you really need to weigh. And here's the thing: your tax professional usually is going to take standard mileage because it's easiest. Correct. That's what I'm saying. I think that you're raising a great point because it's you got to really. It's a really good point. Like, uh, what are they doing from a standard perspective versus? actual, like you're saying. And then how do you then prepare for that? Because then if you say, okay, well, I'm going to do like actual and you're like, oh man, like I got to now think about where the hell I was this last year. I mean, I don't even know where I was yesterday, let alone going back the whole. So you got to be prepared for that. You have to actually really be prepared to right to take so those. Right. But here's the cool thing about technology today. We've got these little apps on our phone, like receipt bank. And we just take a picture. Like I go to Costco I hold up my receipt for my gas. What's that called? With receipt bank? Receipt bank. Oh, I haven't heard of that. And it downloads. Nice. So like I have an accountant's version. And so my clients who are utilizing this, I get, I have access to their, I can see their receipts. So, I mean, I'm clicking receipts. I mean, I'm clicking them all day long from that standpoint because okay. then they can go anywhere because now I have an electronic image of my receipt. And so when it's, it, it, it happens on the fly. You know, you just throw it into a shoebox and you wait till the end of the yeah, year. Yeah, not happening. Not happening. Right. So you're going to lose out on the deduction. So does it take an extra three seconds? It does. But I'm telling you on the back end of it, it's going to be. And so if you're doing an accountable plan and you have everything kind of set up and laid out in your spreadsheet, have another column that at the end of the month, you're like, here's my car, the car payment. Here's the, you know, I, the Valvoline oil change, you know, list it all there. And then, and then just take your bank statement, your credit card statement. I scan everything. So either scan it or just put it in a file so that when you go to your tax professional, you're like, I want actual expenses this year. Okay. That's um, and they're, and, and they're going to, you know, I, they're going to argue with you. Um, but you want, you want to be able to take advantage of that. Um, another thing that I think I see oftentimes is that, um, Real estate investors don't 
keep track of like their computers and things because like, oh, that's at home. I have a Mac. So now we're able to deduct the full cost of computers. Um, and the, you know, so we're able to, it's called a section 179 and that deduction. So that's one thing I like your phone, you know, your iPad, I mean, different things. Like I had one gentleman, he, he bought a camera and some like other equipment to take pictures at his properties. Yeah. And you know, it was in our, it was in our dialogue that happens every quarter when I'm asking these probing questions that he's like, Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. So remember those, you know, peripheral equipment that you're buying that you're utilizing in business that you can actually write off as well. Um, nice. Under the new law, it used to be considered like a listed property and had special de uh, depreciation rules. Under the new law, we have accelerated depreciation under 179. So it's really good for that. Um, hmm. I literally need to play back everything that we just talked about <laughs> before my meeting with my CPA. So, so if somebody's listening to this and they're like, I need this accountable plan. I need more planning when it comes to this, you know, idea of, of tax strategy. And they, you know, say they like the tax person they work with. They just want to up their game a little bit, right? What would be a couple things that need to be in this plan? Would you say if I'm somebody listening to this go, I, I love the, cause you know, women planning. I'm like, Oh, I love the term accountable plan. I just love it. You know, what needs to be in this plan? Like, what would you say? Like not the whole thing, obviously, but just one or two things that, women need to be mindful of as they, as they take a little more ownership of being more strategic in this topic. Right. Well, and I think, I think planning to begin with, you know, this is not an afterthought. This is, this, yeah. you know, we're playing for real here when we're talking about real, <laughs> it's real life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and there's real stakes. So like when we're talking about an accountable plan, it's just making sure that you understand what expenses are going to be deductible and what expenses you're actually having running through your personal life that are actually can be related to your business and okay. are related to your business. And then also taking a look at what's the long-term plan that I'm actually going after, you know, does cost segregation make an, you know, it's going to, is it going to make an impact? Like, can I do a cost segregation study on one, one of my properties every single year in order to mitigate taxes? Am I going to use the new section? There's a new section of, of code called 1400Z, which is a deferred capital gains section. Like, am I going to do a 1031 exchange or am I going to do, four, you know, use wow. the, new, the new section of, you know, 1400Z to defer my capital gains? Like, what is the long-term plan? Like, we right. can't fly by the seat of our pants. We've got to understand what my one-year, my two-year, my three-year, five-year goals are, and how am I going to use the code to the best of its ability? Um, you know, so that's kind of the things I would start looking at is knowing where you're going and then backing the strategy into it. I think what you're saying is so helpful for, for everyone to hear because people think of, people think of like planning their taxes and doing their taxes as like an event. You know, right. it's like something we do. Every year. We do. We, Many people don't even like doing it. It's, it's not something that's fun. We have to do it. It's like this like drudgery versus like, yeah. this actually can be, like you're saying, a part of your business to help you gain and achieve your long-term goals, you know? And I think, I think you come to learn that, you know, when you get into this business and you, you're buying and selling properties over time. But if you could start out that way, you know, like you'll, be a, you'll achieve your goals faster. And I think that's, 
super helpful, you know. Well, and I think people, you know, we don't know what we don't know. That's right, why right. your podcast is so critical because we don't know what we don't know. You know, I was talking with um, a real estate investor um, the other, actually two days ago, and he, and they had bought three tiny properties, you know, like 99,000, 69,000, 170,000. And I said, okay, let's figure this out. And, you know, just by proper planning, they just bought these properties like in October. By doing proper planning, we we reduced his taxation by like $14,000. That's great. And he was like, why didn't anyone tell me this was possible? He didn't know right. that he didn't know. He didn't know what he didn't know. Exactly. Shannon, we got to have you back on, especially like <laughs> as January approaches in, in February, right? With, with all the craziness of, of preparing. So you're a wealth of knowledge and, you know, we just really appreciate all the great insight you're sharing with us. Uh, the ladies listening, where can they learn more about you and what you're up to and just the great resources you have uh, that you're, you know, that you can offer? So the best place to reach me is going to be at my website, which is advancedaccounting.com. And I actually offer, there's a little icon in the upper right corner that if they would like to have a 15 minute consultation with me, I'd be more than happy to do that. And so they can actually register right there on my website. Great. Just speak to me about their particular situation. Awesome. awesome. Great. And all this information you can find on our show notes. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. The first one, Shannon, is what's the most transformational book you have ever read? Oh, Think and Grow Rich. It's classic. Absolutely. <laughs> Second question is, what's the most powerful routine you do to create a financially free and balanced life? I have something called Renaissance Time. I get up at 5.30 every morning. I don't see a client till 10. Um, in that morning time, I get up and I practice my gratitude and I write out my gratitude list. I, I write out two things that are giving me problems and I send good, good stuff to those things. And, mm. and then I just, vis I, I call it visioneering. I forward vision of what I want to create. And I just journal and I listen, I get quiet and I just listen. And I just spend a lot of time listening and contemplating, you know, I actually have a post-it note on my monitor. It says, what's the one big question I'm trying to solve today? Mm. And I think about that and it can be in my business. Um, I'm a single mom with two kids. One of my children has special needs. So there's a lot that goes on in life. And so I take that Renaissance time um, to recharge and do that self-care. Um, and, you know, I think that mom, women in general, just women in general, I don't have to be a mom. I think that sometimes we get so busy in the drudgery of life that we forget just to take a breath. Yes. And that Renaissance time every single day, and it's guarded, like nobody gets into that time. Um, it's to guard time to actually think about the future because if we don't like think about what we want to create, life just passes us by. Oh my gosh. You couldn't have said that. Yeah. I, I, I love that term. That. Renaissance time. I love it. <laughs> we should write a book about it. Yeah, totally. The last question is, which women, famous or not, has inspired you the most? Oh, gosh. You know, um, I think my grandmother, not famous. So my grandmother was Seminole Indian, um, grew up on very, very poor and um, she just taught me to be strong and to be confident and to believe in myself. Um, 
She never lacked self-esteem, even when she was so, so poor. And she just kind of translated that, that she used to say to me, and I think it's a quote from Eleanor Roosevelt that says, no one can make you feel inferior without your permission. Wow. And I think about that a lot. She used to tell me that she, when I would feel bad as a teenager and growing up, she would say, no one can make you feel inferior without your permission. And um, she taught me to hold my head high, you know, in my successes and my failures because failures will come. Yeah. (laughs) And it's about being resilient and she was resilient. And so I, I, I think that's who I, I draw, you know, a lot of inspiration from, and I was very fortunate to have very strong women in my line. Beautiful. That is beautiful. Well, Shannon, thank you so much. You, uh, you shared some great insight on a very, you know, complicated, full topic, right? You know, and, and, you know, so we really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, for the ladies listening, we'll put all of Shannon's contact info, obviously in the show notes. And, you know, I'm sure she's, she'll continue to be a wealth of knowledge. So thank you again for uh, making some time to be on our show. Thank you. Thank you, Shannon. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, Go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.